job, baby. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome a team that is known as Stoppers. Stoppers. The Athletic presents Hogan Johns. Every single play, go take it. Bring that juice. Let's go get it. Come on. Chicago's best Bears coverage. Go Bears. Go Bears. From NBC Sports Chicago, it's Adam Hogue. The Bears angst in general. Everybody's like angry about it, I feel like. Just relax. And from The Athletic, it's Adam Johns. This is just how it is. It's a range of emotions. It's a range of feelings and hot takes. Here they are. Fiery, feisty, and frequently ill. Tempered. The Adams, Hogan Johns. What's up? Welcome in, Hogue and Johns, with you. Second podcast of the week. A fiery week. A lot of social media reaction, quarterback, stadiums. Are you sure you don't want to switch the plan for this podcast five minutes beforehand, Adam? Wow. wow. <laughs> Kevin Fishman, he's in here too, just like, <gasps> oh my gosh. See, you know what I learned from our episode on Tuesday? It's just our definitions of realistic are different. Dak Prescott. Okay. What you what you think is unrealistic, I think is forward thinking. <laughs> I am I am trying to get the Bears into the what are we in the twenty first century? Is that is that what's accurate? Um while John's is perfectly content just rolling no, Ryan, no. Ryan Fitzpatrick out no, there at no. Soldier Field for the next 30 years. I'm trying to put Deshaun Watson into a brand new state-of-the-art stadium out in Arlington Heights. John's <laughs> is just, nope, let's roll it back. Soldier Field. 85 Bears. Here we yep. go. Um, I, too, Adam, would like to cover a team in this Fair City that has a franchise quarterback. I'm not just talking like Jake Cutler-like franchise quarterback here for nine years, but like a damn good one. I would love to cover that. It'd be great. We wouldn't have to write a quarterback series about Kyle Orton, Rex Grossman, <laughs> Mike Tomzak, I mean, Moses you, Marino. Which you My can guys continue at the Atlanta tracked down Moses. They tracked down Moses Marino, but yeah, it's um, of course Deshaun Watson would be. Number one on my list, of course. All right. Well, I'm glad we clarified that. Uh, welcome in. You can read all those quarterback stories on The Athletic, theathletic.com slash Hogan Johnson, where you sh- should be subscribed. And uh, our friend Kevin Fishbane had a lot to do with all those stories. He had uh, a lot to do with some other stories we're going to discuss today as well. He's on for this entire podcast. Kevin Fishbane, probably the voice of reason between the two of us. Uh, I pick no sides. I think you're both right. Classic. Classic. Listen, I spent my last month talking to... uh, I'm up to like 15 former Bears backup quarterbacks. Um, I don't know. I just have always... Maybe maybe as somebody who, if I ever played uh, a sport at a high level, I would have been the backup who everybody likes. And then when I get in the game they realize why I'm the backup kind of thing. You know, like who that would have... F- yeah, Johnsy? Who was your favorite interview? I'm sorry. <sighs> of the the growing list. Are you done? Is it officially done? Uh, there's a couple more. Prob- there, hopefully a couple more. Um, 
for one more backup related story coming next week. That's a, that's what we call a tease in the broadcast industry. Oh, and this is a good Gentlemen. one. Gentlemen. Yes, I, I'm aware of this one. This um, there'll be a lot of guys that have already been in the series who will be in that story. Um, favorite Chad Hutchinson was great. Uh, I caught it. So I wrote, I wrote about Chad Hutchinson, Craig Krenzel, and Jonathan Quinn in 2014 um, for you know 10 years looking back. Because as you guys know, fun fact, all three of those guys never took a snap again after 2004. Um, so what is the reaction from these guys when you call them up? Are they like, what? Why do you want to talk to me? Uh, Steve Fuller uh, made a joke along the lines of, wow, you're really uh, reaching back to the leather helmet days, to which I told them I actually talked to guys who played in 1968 for this story, too. Uh, a little closer to the leather helmet days. Which uh, is where Johns wants to live in this franchise. <laughs> no, just 85. Comfortably established okay. the run. In 85. Uh, you know, these guys, you know, look, they're all, they, a lot of them don't mind just talking about their time. With their, Todd Collins was a little confused, I think, as to why I was reaching out to him. I mean, which makes sense because he had the shortest time with the Bears. Um of El- the worst of, game, yeah, yeah, of everybody I talked to, uh, but like Chad Hutchinson was like excited. He, you know, that was the other thing. Is if you look through that story that's up now, just kind of life as a backup quarterback. Everybody talked about how much they loved being a Bear, and like Chad Hutchinson said, the Bears still send him swag on his birthday every year. Like Chad I think Hutchinson, that's cool, yeah, he was here for two and a half months. Pretty much. Moses Marino made one start, and he gets an authentic jersey for his birthday. Or every year, he gets stuff, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, and Hutchinson's played for the St. Louis Cardinals and Dallas Cowboys. He said the Bears are the classiest organization he's ever played for. Take that, best fans in baseball. Um, (laughs) But, yeah, I thought that was kind of, I thought that was kind of telling. You know, like, Jimmy Clausen was talking about how much he appreciated getting to be a Bear. Uh, So, like, again, I mean, this is kind of, it doesn't mean a lot in the grand scheme of things, but I thought that was kind of interesting hearing from some of these guys. And, um, you know, it's something certainly the folks at House Hall will hang their hat on because they don't, they only have one Lombardi trophy to hang their hat on. Yeah, it'd be nice if they only had to send like one quarterback <laughs> birthday stuff uh, on right. their birthdays. Like over the, you know, like, like the Packers are just like, all right, they got Brett Favre. Um, oh, Aaron Rodgers is still playing for us. So, wow. It's just Brett Favre. That's since, nice. Since 1993, the Packers have had six different starting quarterbacks. The Bears have had 32. <laughs> oh, man. Um, <laughs> let, let me fix my list. All in the show. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. New stadium early tonight. Uh, now holy we're talking. Moses. <laughs> now, holy, holy Moses Moreno. <laughs> That's what you meant to say there. Uh, all right. Well, all that's on the athletic. Check it out at Kfishbane on Twitter. Kevin's going to be here with us uh, for the entire episode here. There's a lot to get to. So, Kev, what did you make of our uh, quarterback talk on Tuesday, which just took off on social media? It was actually pretty fun. Well, for one thing, I got. I'm going to credit producer Kent here because the the clip that was posted was awesome. Yeah, uh, that was a great uh, a great hook. Hook, line, and sinker to get everybody in. I like that people subscribed because of that or unsubscribed and then resubscribed, <laughs> depending on what side they were on. Um, look, I, 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 I'm, in the, I'm a little bit more maybe in the John's camp when we talk about these things because I can't even get myself in a world to consider 
the Deshaun Watson. Even I can't even I can't even sit here and like actually think about the Derek Carr thing. I will say this though. I was reading Mel Kuyper's mock draft this morning. I don't know if you guys saw that, but he had four uh, or he had three trades into the top ten for quarterbacks. The Falcons traded up, uh, the 49ers, and the Patriots. Mm-hmm. Now, the 49ers and Falcons are the most interesting to me because I, I think then that is that scenario that opens up more doors for other guys, right? Like if the Falcons traded up to two to take Zach Wilson, does that mean Matt Ryan's available? If if the if the forty I think this is more likely if the 49ers traded to the top ten to take Justin Fields, does that mean Jimmy Garoppolo's available? If you I would say Jimmy in that Garoppolo. case, definitely. Yes, he's so those. that, that yeah. kind of got me thinking. And look, I think we all know the Raiders. You can never say never with them in terms of you know because you know Gruden's sitting there falling in love with one of these rookie quarterbacks. Um, so I, I I do like that is that's what gets my wheels turning about thinking about some of these more. Um, better than Ryan Fitzpatrick options but until then it's just hard for me to really get into that space uh which you know has me a little bit more on the on the the Ryan Fitzpatrick Andy Dalton world how much do you think John Gruden misses doing his quarterback show do you think that he does it <laughs> yes. I miss like him with, I, I miss I him do doing too. it like do you think he he asked like Raiders like video staff to come in and film him as he's doing work at Mariota and nobody could watch it except for him. Yeah, yeah. he goes back yes. and watches. I can see that. Oh, he maybe lets Mayock in for a, a little bit. Hey, hey, check this out. <laughs> That'd be hilarious if if guy. he operates that way. We can't do it this year, right? They can't have uh, pre-draft visits. It'd have to be person. on Zoom. Yeah, but the last couple yeah. of years. Do you think I bet Gruden's one of those guys who like the zoom starts and his face is right up next to the camera <laughs> kind of thing? N- not because he's like a boomer, just because he's so excited. His face oh, is right yeah. up there. Yeah. Uh, like some people ask questions to Matt Nagy on the press conference. I started when, I, when we first started doing that, I was one of those guys. You don't need to be that close. I, I wanted mean, to make sure he heard me. I will say in the early zoom days, you're, you don't know how well that microphone works in your laptop. So. It works. It works. It works just fine. All right. Well, there's one quarterback that was not mentioned at all on Tuesday that uh, if we did the same podcast today, we'd probably, I don't know, I'd have number two on my list. Uh, Russell Wilson, good work by The Athletic, an outstanding story out this morning, which you should read. Uh, Very in-depth reporting. Uh, it's, it's way too lengthy to go through all right now, but the bottom line is that the, if you haven't been paying attention in Seattle, a common discussion, like if we were doing a Seahawks podcast over the years would be about how the Seahawks tend to hold Russell Wilson back, or at least that's a conversation that's always happening. Why do they not let, why does Pete Carroll not let Russell Wilson just air it out with all the talent he has? And I think that there's sort of a conflict in philosophy, the way Pete Carroll believes in winning, which is obviously very established. And I'd say that the Seahawks have one of the most established cultures and programs there is in the NFL right now. Um, So it's hard to really criticize that. But at the beginning of this season, the Seahawks did unleash like an all-out aerial attack, which was very unlike them. And it was very effective and Russell Wilson was the leading candidate for MVP there, like even in early November. And then the turnover started. It backed off that. 
The offense was much different the rest of the way. Russell Wilson was much different the rest of the way. And there was some growing frustration there. Just to hit on a couple things in this story. One is that before a Thursday night game against the Cardinals, Wilson met with his coaches. Um, and it says, For some time, Wilson has sought, even pushed for influence within the organization regarding scheme and personnel. In the meeting, he outlined his own ideas for how to fix the offense. His, suggest- his suggestions were dismissed, multiple sources told The Athletic. Another reminder to Wilson that the Seahawks did not see him the same way he saw himself as a player who had earned greater control over his situation, his future, his legacy. He stormed out of the room. And then it goes on to say, now, if you watch the Super Bowl, you may have seen the shot of Russell Wilson sitting in a suite with Roger Goodell. And I've never seen a more bored, upset player sitting at a Super Bowl in my life. He just did not look happy. And as the story mentions that, uh, and it says, as Tom Brady battled Patrick Mahomes on the field below, Wilson seethed. During the game, he texted Jake Heaps, his former teammate and private quarterback coach, to vent about watching the game instead of playing in it. This all ends with the idea that Russell Wilson would be open to a trade out of Seattle. And another list of teams that do not include the Chicago Bears, of course. Um, But, hey, perhaps another option and uh, one that... I'm sure John's has on his unrealistic list. <laughs> dominoes. We're playing dominoes again. Um, first of all, the the level of detail in this story by our colleagues, Kevin, is exceptional. So I, I just want to stress, if you're listening now, uh, read and listen at the same time. It is exceptional. Um, those four teams, let me pull this up to make sure I have them right. Because, yes, as Adam said, the Bears are not included. The Dolphins. The Jets, the Saints, and the Raiders. Thoughts? Like, the the Raiders won for the Bears in terms of dominoes because we know they like some Derek Carr. That's a domino worth watching, I would imagine. If if Russell Wilson's upset with his offensive line playing Seattle, why would he want to come to Chicago? Yeah. Well, and that's like a whole other discussion to this is that Whatever whatever quarterback it is, it doesn't seem like many are very interested in coming to the Bears. And, and I guess for good reason. I mean, um, you know, they flip on the athletic every morning as they're going through their through their uh, you know morning routine, and they're going Absolutely on the, they the great athletic app. And Russell Wilson's looking at this, and he's saying, Ugh. you know, Chad Hutchinson and Moses Moreno. Counterpoint. And, uh, I don't want to be part of a story ten years from now where this is what this is my legacy. Or is Russell Wilson looking through that list and being like, I could play one game in Chicago and be the greatest quarterback in the history of the franchise. Right? Absolutely. I mean, Jay Cutler played, what was it, seven seasons here? I always forget the final number. Kind of blacked out there about season number five. But, uh, you know, he's probably the best. Hey, Mitch Trubisky is the highest career passer rating in Bears history. So. Ugh. Uh, anyway, great reporting, <laughs> Russell Wilson. Don't know if he'll be traded, but what an offseason this is. It's, it, you know what, there's so many different angles to this. One of this, these angles, to me, is, 
you know, ties Allen Robinson into the whole thing too. It just seems like there's a lot of players out there that are trying to seize more control from the teams because this is a league that, that the teams tend to have all the control. And even to this extent that when you start seeing guys franchise tagged, you're seeing more and more of them traded in the end, which I would say is a possibility in the Allen Robinson spot. I don't see any way he's not tagged because at a minimum you want to get something back for him. And it's not the most ideal way of getting control, but getting tagged and traded in the same way that Khalil Mack was is more control uh, than they had in the past. It's not as good as free agency, but it's still helpful. Yeah, this isn't the NBA where players have immense control in, in their situations. That That's a, a player-controlled league, and I think this, this is why some fans struggle with the idea of what these players are doing now because this is this is foreign to, to the NFL, right? Like you look at our Twitter feed, like um, you you get answers like, "Well, he's getting a lot of money. Why does Russell Wilson? What, what's he complaining about? He's getting paid thirty million dollars a year. You know, they drafted you, play for your team. But you know what? Situations change. Coaches change. There's friction in those organizations. Like, you, can you really blame Deshaun Watson for wanting out of Houston? No, not that when place you really. Is a mess. Yes. Yeah, not when you really do the homework. So I'm all for Deshaun Watson, Russell Wilson, and even Allen Robinson for taking control of their situations. And I do think, it while you have the leverage. And Johns, you brought up a great point with the NBA. And you know, like take Allen Robinson for example. We all know A. Rob is a huge NBA fan. A lot of these guys are. They see what's going on there, and they want to be able to do the same thing in the NFL. It's hard. I mean, look at let's look at Trevor Lawrence for example. Right, he's going to sign a four year contract. The Jaguars have a fifth-year option. They could use the tag multiple times. I mean, like, technically, Trevor Lawrence is going to be bound to Jacksonville for potentially six or seven years. Yeah, uh, and, 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 like, I know that it's like, well, you know, he should be, he's going to be making millions of dollars to be quarterback in the NFL. Like, no, I mean, look, the, the, the you know, there should be, these guys should have these opportunities. I think the tag is terrible. I can't stand the franchise tag. I get I get why the, the owners love it and the teams love it, but it's brutal. Um, so, you know, like, I'm all for these players kind of taking control a little bit and, and, and seeing. And look, I also, on the flip side, I credit the Rams and the Eagles for understanding that, you know what, dead cap, fine. We'll deal with it. We'll move on. You know, look, on a much, much smaller scale, the Bears did that last year with Trey Burton. Yeah. Right? That was a dead cap situation. I, I, I did not think he was going to get cut, no matter what, because of the way that contract was structured. But they moved on. You know, like teams should be more willing to you know, figure it out. Like that's what you're that's what you're paid to do is figure out your, your cap situation and, and move on from these guys. And if you have a quarterback who's unhappy, you know, like find a way. Now, on the flip side, if you're the Houston Texans, you do everything in your power to not trade yeah. Deshaun Watson because you know, you you have that leverage, and and you work to make him happy. You know, work to make him want to be there. Well, this is just another potential guy available. Um, it's just going to be really interesting to watch all this stuff unfold. It's still only February twenty fifth, but I will repeat what I've said before that there's a lot at stake here for Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy. And that's why I tend to side towards the idea that I could see a bold move, a more unexpected, more unrealistic, I guess, move made 
because I just don't think they can afford not to at some point. Now, some of it's out of their control. Who's available? Who's like if Russell Wilson's available, but he doesn't want to come to Chicago? Well, you know, well that's where you have to play dominoes. That that's where this gets into a separate conversation, though. If this whole offseason goes by, and I don't want to jump the gun, but I'm just saying this is part of what's at stake. Let's say there is a ton of quarterback movement, okay? And you get out of the offseason, you didn't get any of these guys. You didn't get any of the top four quarterbacks in the draft. Maybe you got Mac Jones, okay? And Allen Robinson's still holding out, and you might have to trade him. That is not a good look for the Bears, that would bring up questions, and only, and probably rightly so, from a lot of Bears fans who had said, if you had made changes back in January, changed the GM, changed the head coach, there would have been a better chance of these players wanting to come to Chicago. I would even counter that if you didn't have this press conference that left the public and the NFL world in doubt about the futures of those guys. Like if you said, hey, we're going to give these guys two years to fix it. If you weren't, if you didn't, if you answered the simple question about the contract lengths. Right. And I'm sure, you know, there's easy ways for teams and agents to figure this out. But still publicly, like, you still question that. Like, okay, you got two years, Matt Nagy, but why didn't George McCaskey say that? Like, what's the... What's the big freaking deal? Like it goes back to the worst press conference of all time. That, yep. At least that we've covered. It's at least get your messaging straight. Hogue, Give do you these know guys what just a happened? chance. What just happened? John's broke his uh, promise. John's he knows it. That's with just the written word. <laughs> <laughs> what was that? That he wasn't gonna he, he, bring it up. He said he was we're never gonna bring gonna up the press about, conference. Yeah, never gonna talk about it again. But uh, never gonna write about it again. Listen, well, unfortunately, unfortunately, it's a thing that happened, and he's absolutely right in that it probably is affecting the offseason. This is what good teammates do. We hold each other accountable. It, it affects perception, right? Like, it's, it, it doesn't help the perception. And I think you've limited your GM and coach in their attempts to fix it. Now... If you don't, if you're just giving them one year, then you're already shooting yourself in the foot here. Because if they're going to operate that way, it could get crazy. They could do nothing. Who knows what's going to happen? But yeah, I, I don't think Russell Wilson is a realistic option. Yeah, he's in my top five, Adam. Of course he is. No, he's not. Ryan Fitzpatrick is number one. No, no. But if he goes to the Raiders or he goes to the Jets, then you can see where certain dominoes could play in the Bears' favor, where teams start returning their phone calls about certain quarterbacks. All right, let's change the topic to uh, another thing I want to discuss, another polarizing topic on social media. It's actually been kind of fun because I find this stuff fun. But so Tuesday was officially announced by Churchill Downs that Arlington Park is going up for sale. And... I have always, like, let's go back a little bit. I don't think there's anything I'm more critical of in Chicago than how we do stadiums. We suck at them. Okay? (laughs) We just, you have a nice, decent place like the United Center, and there's not even an L stop there. It's it's unbelievable. Um, You know, I'll tend to defend guaranteed right field, but... 
it could have been better. And they had to make a and when it first came out, it was not good. And to their credit, they fixed it up and they've they've done a lot of good things to it. It's better than it gets credit for. Um, not the most convenient place in the world, though. Soldier Field, convenience, just there isn't any. Uh, great picturesque setting on the lakefront. Wrigley Field, before they fixed it up, was an absolute dump. And Cubs fans won't admit that. That place was the worst. It's awesome now. I've been to it since it got renovated multiple times. I enjoy Wrigley Field. I'm not talking crap about it. Um, but it was so far overdue for a renovation, and it took new ownership. That new ownership had to buy all the buildings, ne- not all of them, but a lot of the buildings next door to even get done what needed to be done, and they were like, fans had to wear hard hats to games before it got to that point. So it's just not what we do well in Chicago at all, in my opinion, and we don't have the type of place that can host Super Bowls, that can host Final Fours. And I remember sitting almost exactly a year ago from right now, watching all the coverage of the All-Star Game, the NBA All-Star Game, in Chicago, when we were having some of the worst winter weather of last winter. And it was awesome. So I am a big proponent of Chicago being able to host more events like that and coming up with some solution to do so. So when this news came out, which was not unexpected, that Arlington Park was going up for sale, I wrote a column about it. Your thoughts? The nostalgic side of me, of course, doesn't like it. Um, I understand it, though. Can I wait, hold? Can I just defend the United Center a little bit? Sure. Like I've been to other hockey rinks. I've been to other basketball stadiums. The ones that are. That's split between hockey and basketball. The United Center is well kept. It's it's updated. Like if the the Scott Trade Center in St. Louis, for example, built in the same year, I believe. Could be wrong by a couple of years, but that place is a freaking dump. The United Center is not. There's yeah. been some reinvestment there, and you're right about like the transportation. But at least there's a lot of parking lots around there. The highway's close. Relatively close, but there's not um, much else. Over. I used to live over there. Okay, like, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. It, but, it, but, Ma- but Madison. Well, that's you know the, the Madison's changing. Madison Avenue. There's a lot of bars and restaurants there now. You're talking about like the what we see with stadiums now, where you walk yeah. outdoors and you got restaurants and stuff. Like I think that's changing. Well, um, I always compare it to like you go to the Big Ten tournament in Indy, and then you go to the Big Ten tournament in. Chicago, and it's two completely different experiences. What's great about Indy is you park your car on Thursday, you don't have to move it till Sunday. Everything's right there with walking distance. Now, Chicago's not Indy, I understand that, but the one thing about bit bigger, the, the smaller arenas, if we're talking about a big football stadium, good luck finding that space. Even in the situation of, I guess, building the United Center, um, you know, it was a problem with DePaul trying to find a spot to put that stadium. I get it. It's tough to find the real estate, but the, I, I agree with you. The United Center is a once you're in there, it's a pretty nice place. I have no problems with it. Um, it's just the location, the lack of th- stuff around there to just walk to and from. Uh, and of course, there's so many stories. I mean, my parents have stories about going to games at Chicago Stadium, and there's like bricks being thrown and all kinds of crap. At least that's I don't think that's much the case anymore. But um, Anyway, yeah, it's just the location. Well, well, that's a different conversation. But in terms of Soldier Field, guys, we know. We go to Lambeau every year. We go to Minnesota, Minneapolis every year. 
We go to Detroit every year. We're going to see the Rams' new stadium soon enough. In a couple of years, we'll be in Las Vegas, Atlanta. Like, we've seen these stadiums around the league. And what the Bears have as one of the founding franchises, they're, uh, they're a bit behind. I like the idea of a centrally located stadium on the lake. It's just, it's picturesque. It's great. But you are on like an island there cut off by Lakeshore Drive. And then you see these updated stadiums across the league. Some of these places are immaculate. The Bears are far behind. So I pulled up our, um, by the way, the best stadium in town now is Welsh Ryan Arena. Um, location, it's great inside, good parking. It's amazing. Get to your point. <laughs> um, we did we did a NFL stadium rankings over the summer, and I, uh, yeah. Soldier Field actually was seventh. And I think I, in my ratings, when I submitted, I submitted them as second to last behind um, FedEx Field, which I think is just terrible. Um, and a lot of that is press box view. Um, I, I can't really speak to the... I mean, there's nothing to do over there either. Um, but I do think a lot of people just like the view. And I think a lot of our um, colleagues just like coming to Chicago as opposed yes, to... Yes, that's like, what I thought yeah. that... Because you had the whole... Just to be clear, that was like the whole NFL staff voted on that, right? Correct. It was all the NFL beat writers. So I, I, th- I think City... People love coming to Chicago. People love, exactly. I, yeah. So one thing I was looking up as we were starting this conversation, did you guys, you guys probably know this, that uh, Gillette Stadium is closer to Providence than it is to Boston by like 10 miles? Yeah. You guys know that because we've we've covered stuff there. Like I remember covering Bears Patriots in 2014 and I stayed in Boston. It was a long, long haul to get to Foxborough. I mean, we've done this before in other cities. Uh, I don't think... about inconvenient... Yeah, the, ba- the Bears fly in the Providence when they pl- when they go to New England. They don't yeah. go to Boston. I, I just think that I did a story in this. Uh, we did this architecture series um, during the pandemics. We were getting creative, and I, I interviewed a bunch of architects who were putting together some of these new stadiums. And, and uh, the Vegas Stadium, L.A., even Tottenham, which we were at last year. I mean, you look at these things, and it's like mind blowing how far behind Soldier Field is. But they can't do any of these things where Soldier Field currently is. They're stuck. Like they have to start over if they want Soldier Field to be like some of these modern, just incredible, majestic stadiums. And I do think, and, and John, so you kind of touched on this. I think there's a lot of Bears fans that don't want that. That like Soldier Field being old and just being where it is, the way it is. Um, Kevin Kaduk, who does a great job with the Midway Minute newsletter, touched on this uh, over the summer about the Arlington Heights thing. And, and I, I feel like he did a poll. And, and I do think there were some Bears fans that just, they, they like it. They, they're totally content with the way Soldier Field is. And, and I think a lot of that goes to the tradition. Um, we did it when we did our Bears fan survey over the summer. Um, there, there was, a, you know, people like the tradition of Soldier Field. So I get it. But I think if you want a great stadium, if you want to be proud of your stadium, the only way for the Bears to do it is to move. And, and, I, and I don't think, I, I, I think the, the benefits that would come from a really cool stadium, you, I'm sure they would build lots of great restaurants around it. You'd have like a quote unquote Patriot place nearby um, would outweigh the fact that you can't see the lake. 
Yeah, I mean that's what you you mentioned the the Patriots. Like they've they've built up that area around there. Um, you could even look at Lambeau now since they've done the renovations. I mean, when we first started going to Lambeau, there was a motel across the street that, I mean, if you told me COVID nineteen started there, I would believe you. Uh, like, like that place was a disaster. And they've there now. There's Title Town that they've built up all around the stadium. Uh, there's like a sledding hill. Like there's things to do. And you want to pick a place in the middle of nowhere? It's I mean it's Lambeau Field outside of Green Bay. There, there's you get off the highway. There's like a Cabela's and a Walmart. You know, like that's what <laughs> this. But going to Lambeau is awesome. Arrowhead, Kansas City. It's just like a big, vast parking lot, and in the middle of it is Kauffman Stadium and Arrowhead right next to each other, and it's just parking lots, and it's one of the coolest tailgating atmospheres that there is. So um, I just, there's something to be said about convenience, and I think that there's, I'm not saying Arlington Heights is perfect, because it would take away, like what you said earlier, like people like coming to Chicago for games, now there would be a convenience factor. You can get to O'Hare really easily from there, but like you probably, or if you wanted to go all the way downtown and stay there, then you're probably taking the train out to to uh, Tarlington Heights. But I could tell you, as somebody who lived in Lincoln Park and grew up in Lincoln Park, if I were to take public transportation from where I grew up to Arlington Park, which is something we did, or to Soldier Field, think about the distance. I can get to Arlington Park just as fast. Metro. I, yes. pulled, I pulled up our fan survey, by the way, for the summer. I should have pulled this up earlier. Um, so we had 1,800 respondents. What's your favorite part of Soldier Field? The tradition was 63.6%. What does that mean, though? Right. I mean, that's the thing. Like, it's like, And I, I know it's a vague term. It's just like people, they, they probably like singing Bear Down. You know, like I, I, they like that the stuff's co- not going they, away. They like looking at the columns. I don't know. I, I I think that's that's some of it. It's it's being able to sit in your seat and see the skyline, to to be there, walking to the stadium, see the lake, see the columns. I, I think there's a nostalgic side to it, and I, I don't know what the value of that is for for a lot of fans. But you feel it sometimes when you pull in, you, you driving downtown. There's a right. there's a Adam Hogue rant building up in me right now, Johns. I mean, this nostalgia and like Bears history, like this this franchise hasn't won crap since 1985. Like this is part of the problem. And no, it honest to God is this is part of the problem. Like living see, in the past, see, I, you need I, I, to well, grow up as an organization. It, it, no, no, it's it, it's a little bit more complicated than that because they don't own their own stadium. Another one of the problems. See, see, that's that's the major factor here. Like if, and if if their Soldier Field also here's another part of the problem. Soldier Field also has landmark status, so you cannot take down those columns. Like in my opinion, there's enough land there. Like you can reroute that that drive they have down there. There's enough land there. You can put a modern stadium. But two problems: the Bears don't own that land. The they parks don't own will that never stadium. go for it. The parks won't go for it, and you can't take down those pillars. Landmark status, so it's it's an amazingly so complicated. So when you have situation. all that stuff, and then you're still like, yeah, but Bears tradition, blah blah blah. You build up a new stadium in the middle of the columns, and it's not big enough, and it sucks. Like I that's think, what happens when you're hanging on a tradition. And I, and I looked up uh, one of the questions was, would you rather the Bears a build a brand new stadium even if it was in the suburbs? 
B, renovate Soldier Field again. C, make no changes. I'm just there to watch football. And it was pretty close. Like it was like each one kind of split. 36% make no changes was the leader. I mean, that's – people look, I, I also think too, if we go back to that realistic conversation, as long as McCaskey's on the Bears, they're, they're, no, they're not going anywhere, right? There's no way – the McCaskies would build a brand new stadium. And, and I mean, is there anybody that appreciates tradition and rest their laurels on tradition more than the people who own the Chicago bears and, and Hogue, I'm with, I'm with you on this, but I think you need, like, I think it would take a new owner who like, not, I shouldn't say doesn't care about the tradition, but recognizes the benefits that come from starting over and, and, and give in doing a brand new stadium that gives you all the bells and whistles of, of the rest of the NFL. Because right now, you're going to continue to see more and more of these stadiums coming up on the next decade. And, and the Bears are, just are going to fall behind even more. Look, I, I just you look at these ownership groups across the NFL, and the Bears just stand out as a completely different... I mean, them and the Packers, because the Packers are just totally different in the way they do things. But like the Bears, because it's been in this family for so long, um, and they don't really get like the bears that's the business right like there's really no other money coming elsewhere like people bring up the six million dollars in rent or whatever they pay for soldier field that's a pretty sweet deal so that would be a reason to maybe not want to go do this except for the fact that if you built your own stadium where you can have restaurants and an entertainment district and a casino with a sports book, now all of a sudden you have other revenue streams, right? You're growing up into the 21st century of the NFL, and that I just think when you start talking about money, that could outweigh, you know, whatever sweet deal you have with the park district in rent. But to your point, Kevin, like I don't know how much the McCaskey family cares about all that stuff. I would always. Go ahead. Sorry. No, I, I just, I just, I just don't, and that's fine if their, if their aspirations are, are not that, and they just care about the Bears and football. I think that's actually something that fans in Chicago can relate to. But you better win games, yeah, then, yeah, and yeah, they yeah. don't you win. Better, you gotta win. You gotta be winning. To, I've always been of the opinion that the Bears could be the most valuable franchise in football. Now you could argue the Dallas Cowboys. It's just special Texas, all that stuff, but. The history, the generational love for this franchise, the the fact that they're already in the top ten in Forbes list, they don't even own their own stadium. For everything you just outlined. And one quick quick thing on that, sorry to interrupt you, but I read a story in the Tribune uh, from like 2002 that said just the building of the stadium, which they don't even own, doubled the values the value of the franchise. So there you go. So imagine what their own giant enormous stadium that can host Super Bowls and all that would do the value of the franchise. So you're right. Your only rival in that conversation would probably be the Dallas Cowboys in terms of value. So it's spending now to, to make good later, but it's just it's a complicated situation. But I think we can all agree because we see we go to these stadiums every year. A lot of Bears fans travel too. Don't forget they travel quite well. They know what they're going into. They know what they're walking into. The ones that go to Minneapolis, the ones that go to Detroit even. The ones that are going to see Las Vegas, Atlanta, Los Angeles. Look at those places. 
Well, another thing that's probably not going to happen. And I should also <laughs> note, uh, when we go cover Bears 49ers, where do we stay? San Francisco. San Francisco. Uh, last, time, last time I just went in and out of San Jose. Which is very convenient. I did that the first I, time. I didn't enjoy San it. San Jose's but, not bad. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. I, 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 flew, I remember the first time in 2014 I, I, did, I split that up. But, like, you can still enjoy a weekend in Chicago. Yes, and go to a game in a suburb, like we like we do when we go. As I mentioned the Patriots earlier. You know, Arrowhead Stadium is not like that close to downtown Kansas City. You know, like this is just you know look at look at the where the Cowboys play. So you know, it's just kind I of just think w- like even if you're staying in downtown, think about the hassle it is to get to your seat inside Soldier Field, and compare that to jumping on the train downtown. And the Arlington Heights or the Arlington Park train station is right there. Like you walk off the train and you walk into Arlington Park. So Metro would love it. And even I took the train from Manhattan out to the to MetLife Stadium. Uh, oh, oh, for, a lot of a lot of the fans do. Plus, think and of that the, was that was great. Think of the commute for Mark Potash. <laughs> you can walk. You can walk. He would. He would. That man took a train from uh, what was it, New Orleans to Chicago a couple years ago. Documented. With Moon? It. Was Moon on the train? No, I think Potter just did himself. He covered like oh. the NBA All-Star game in New Orleans and took a train ride uh, back. He I'll did. tell you what. If, if I remember that. I actually remember that. If, if Moon and Potsy got on a train for like 12 hours, I would actually want to sit. I would pay money to sit there and just listen to that. I wouldn't even want to talk. Just I just would like to listen to the stories and the conversation. I would enjoy it. <laughs> what about Larry Mayer? You, you no, would not no. pay for that. No, because then Larry would jump in with like some joke that's not funny and... Oh, the movie quotes would be old by the third one. Yeah. When he quotes Caddyshack for the 15th time, you're going to be jumping off that train. <laughs> I don't know if that, I assume that train goes through Memphis, maybe, but like by the t- I'd be getting off in Memphis. And I don't know, get me on a plane, something. Uh, all right, roster tiers. Kevin tackled this uh, earlier this week. Another thing you should check out on the Athletic. Uh, what do we need to know about this piece? Uh, why don't I bring up the guys that I struggled with placing them in a tier, and we can uh, debate them a little bit. Uh, John Z helped me on this as well. Uh, so I had here are the sections. We had foundational pieces. So these are like the building blocks. The guys are the bedrock. You're going to build around them. They're going to be here for a while. Good players. Possible foundational pieces. So that was like uh, e- these were either younger guys who could become this or older guys who just it's hard to put them in that category when you don't know how much longer they're going to be here or play at a high level. Um, two sections of something to prove. So you have like veterans like a Robert Quinn, Dane Trevathan, but also a young player like a Sam Mustafer, Alex Bars, like you're not sure yet, Duke Shelley. Um, guys who are currently on the bubble, um, you know, cap casualties, uh, guys who are going to be cut. And then also I just rounded out the roster of guys who are going to, you know, be on the bubble come August. So here are the guys that I had the, I had the toughest time with. Eddie Jackson, Cole. Well, let me, let me start here. Here are the foundational pieces I, I had. Eddie Jackson, Jalen Johnson, Cole Komet, Khalil Mack, Darnell Mooney, Bilal Nichols, Roquan Smith. Like that is who you're building your team around. 
So my I had trouble with Eddie Jackson being in there after what he did last season, putting Cole Komet there right away. And then I had Dave Montgomery in the next section. Um, so those were kind of the three that that were maybe the more controversial ones. So I'll throw that out there and let you guys take your picks. Well, I think what's interesting to me is I'm I'm kind of taking I kind of view like what you wrote is how it should be, right? Like these should be the foundational guys. But I think like what you're talking about with Eddie Jackson is does that match up with what we've actually seen on the field, right, the last couple of years. So I'm comparing this to what I did in January, which was actually kind of grade these guys and put them in, I guess, similar categories uh, based on how they graded out. But Khalil Mack was a blue chip player, so that's obviously a foundational piece. But then I get into long-term starters, which were Roquan Smith, Akeem Hicks, Allen Robinson, David Montgomery, and Bilal Nichols. So, like, Montgomery matches up, Roquan Smith matches up, but, like, Eddie Jackson didn't play at that level. Jalen Johnson, Cole Komet, like, those are good rookies, but they're not quite to that level. Same thing with Darnell Mooney. It's just kind of interesting to look at it that way. The the nudge I gave Kevin was Eddie Jackson should be amongst the foundational pieces. Well, it and should I get, be, yeah. And, and I get the, the debate there. To me, um, yeah, should and... Yeah, his season wasn't the best. I wonder if he. it's a different conversation if a couple of his uh, big plays, his, his scores weren't called back. But he's, he got his money, so he has to be considered a foundational piece. Like, he has that new contract. He was signed to that second big contract. At one point, he was the highest paid safety. Is, is he still in terms of average salary? I'm, I'm not sure anymore. But that alone tells you that it says foundational. To me, the, 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 like, the two players I would actually switch – are probably Komet and Montgomery, where you're left wanting to see more from Komet, where Montgomery did enough for me behind an offensive line that was makeshift for the most part. And he excelled at fifth in the league in rushing, fifth in the league in total yards. Like, he had a really good second season. You believe in him, part of that foundation. And as I wrote, and I, I totally agree with what Johnson said, my problem is more about Montgomery's position. Like, I just don't think a running back entering his third year who's had as many carries as David Montgomery's had if you go back to college, I, it's just hard to count on that guy for more than another couple seasons. Um, as opposed to somebody like Cole Komet, might not put up 900 yards receiving, but you can feel pretty good the guy's going to have some kind of role for the next eight to ten years because of the position he plays i'm just not sure like let's say montgomery is another thousand yard rushing season next year is he going to be in line for a big extension i i mean i think we've all seen what happens when running backs get extensions like you can't it's just not a smart way to go about to do your business so that's why i worry about montgomery where if i'm looking into the future i just don't know about what he can bring come 2022, 2023, as opposed to some of the other guys, you're like, well, they'll, they'll, they'll be fine. They'll, they'll carve out some kind of role with this team. But speaking for just next season, yeah, I mean, he's, you gotta, you gotta have him be, you know, one of your focal points of the offense. Yeah, I agree. Position makes a big, 
big difference there. I mean, it, it's pretty much proven right now in the NFL that you do not want to lock up these running backs and spend all that money. We have a so, tweet. We have a tweet from Deshaun Watson. Ooh. Is he coming to the Bears? Loyalty is, is it in everything. response to our podcast? Was he happy? Was he happy with me and not happy with John? You guys can interpret. It's possible. Loyalty yeah. is everything. Don't you ever forget it. He capitalized ever. Don't you ever forget it. Loyalty is everything. Don't you ever forget it. Yeah. I mean, Johns was not very loyal to Deshaun Watson in that podcast. <laughs> yes, yes. You could say that Ryan Pace wasn't too loyal to Deshaun Watson uh, a few years ago, too. What do you think Nick Casario is thinking right now? Why did I take this job? <laughs> like, he Why threw did- his phone. Like, Casario saw the tweet on his phone through his burner account. Totally throws through his phone, right? Why did I get brainwashed by Jack Easterby? <laughs> why Why did this happen? Funny guy that Jack Easterby though, stand up comedian. Good stuff. Um, all right. Well, very interesting piece with the roster tiers, Kevin, and uh, a lot to look at and debate. Oh, Anthony Miller, kind of forgot about him. I didn't know where to, where to put him, really, but... Uh, on he, a different team, maybe? Yeah. If, if he's yeah. going to be here, he's he's in your something to prove or, or on the bubble. Yeah. He's got a lot to prove. Hey, I got I got Kadarius Tony coming to the Bears, and Johnson, I posted our mock draft 1.0. I yeah, dropped Mel, Mel Kiper uh, copied you. He did. He did. But you could argue I copied uh, friend of the pod, I, maybe, Tom Fornelli. Friend of the... Friend of the Program, Friend of I dropped Mac Jones all the way to the second round. <laughs> Johnsy, I, 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 I'm I'm going to defend. I had that big of an impact on you, huh? I'm going to defend you, Johns. Uh, maybe on Twitter at some point because I one of my biggest pet peeves of this time of year. I love mock draft season. I, I read every mock draft. I think they're all fun and it's just it's just great exercises. You cannot say so and so will not. Be, get here or will not drop that far it's just you can't do it nobody knows the teams don't know the gms don't know for all we know every single nfl team has mac jones with a second round grade history actually says it's going to happen yeah, like someone's one of those guys is going to be in the second round now that could be at 36 like Derek carr wasn't drew Brees like 33 or something like that like so that could be early in the second round or it takes someone to move up from 50 to, to 40 to, to grab him. Wasn't Grappolo in the 60s? It's, it's History says one of those guys is going to fall. Which one? We'll see. Uh, Alright. We got to end this with a very important topic that people keep tweeting at us. Apparently John's missed those tweets and then he tweeted about it yesterday. Uh, <laughs> That's the, the mo- first time I saw the trailer, but go on. <laughs> well, I think the trailer did come out, but there's been like teases. There's been news stories about it. Anyway, uh, the Mighty Ducks are back. And this is a huge development for this podcast um, with our analysis and, quite frankly, a lot of criticism of Gordon Bombay, who was a fraud. Um, and I got it. So you, you guys watched the trailer? Yeah. Yep. All right. So for those that don't know, there's a new Disney Plus show coming out. It's a show. It's not a movie. And it's a Mighty Ducks TV series on Disney Plus. Um. The uh, I'm I should know her name. The actress, Lauren she's in Graham. Gilmore. 
Laura Graham. Graham. I've watched She's, a lot of Gilmore Girls the past Gilmore year. Girls. Yeah. yeah, that's where you probably know her from the most. And Parenthood. Yes, I like Parenthood. Yeah. My wife started binging that a few years ago, and I got... I didn't watch them all, but I got I, when it was on, I would sit there and watch it for sure. Same exact thing. My wife started binging it uh, during her maternity leave when our son was napping. And she'd say, she goes, is this a show you want to watch with me? And mm-hmm. I said, no, 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 go ahead. But then I, I, I just got glued. So I would just watch it along with her. Hmm. Also, I watch a lot of Gilmore Girls. Yeah, okay. I was more of a One Tree Hill guy. We binged that uh, last when the pandemic began, actually. You binged all of One Tree Hill? No, we did not finish it. Uh, it's I, hard to finish. It gets, I, it, I it gave gets up. I, I told. I said I'm done. Uh, we got. Oh, we started actually pre-pandemic. We started in January. We, I, I couldn't take it anymore. It was just too ridiculous. Yeah. And we're yeah, dig- it, we're digressing here. No, it was good to begin with, and then it uh, then it got bad. All right. So, what'd you guys think of the trailer? Because it looks like the Mighty Ducks are the bad guys. They're the villains. Um, as a parent, I appreciate that the calling out of the seriousness of youth sports. Mm-hmm. Because I think some of the innocence and the fun has been lost. And I blame the parents. I try not to be a crazy sports dad. But it's it's gotten pretty crazy. Especially with baseball. Kevin could... I, I, I sent a text to Johns yesterday as he gets set for travel baseball season. And as a, as a long-time travel baseball coach, I will tell you, parents ruin travel baseball. But not, so, not, not, not Johns. Johns is not going to be one of those parents. But no, generally, no. generally, yeah. parents, generally that's, what, that's yeah. what happens. Just but I, I, I like that scene, too. I thought that was, that was good to you know, promote the idea of let's remember that this is for fun. Yes. So I, I, I love that. I love that. <laughs> Another tangent here. Like, you think about the original Mighty Ducks. Patrick Kane once told us that that was like his favorite movie, and that's what got him into like hockey. You know, like every kid has like sports movies. You know, Sandlot's a popular one here in the Johns household. Um, that's why baseball's popular here in the Johns household. And like, there's different movies like Little Giants, and it's all those movies are about fun, right? Like fun with your friends. I like how the Mighty Ducks, at least according to this trailer, seems to be poking at. This this bear that's been created, you know, like of of the seriousness of sport, especially for kids. But they turn the ducks into the villain. It's controversial. Um, I agree. Like, there's one little scene in there in this. This is just in the trailer where Laura Graham's character is uh, like making fun of one of the parents for having like a physical therapist there with her or something like that. Like, there's two like personal coaches in the stands watching practice, uh, which probably actually happens. So. Uh, which is sad. What'd you make of the Gordon Bombay? So I, I have a. I was confused first of all because they they show him like I hate hockey and I hate kids. I thought he got over that in the movies. Did I miss something, or is he really as bad of a guy as I've always said he is? <laughs> I was waiting for this. Well, wasn't have, that confusing? You, you may have been right. I thought he learned his lessons. Apparently not. And I also have a sneaking suspicion that he's not actually going to be as big of a of the in the series as they made it look like. Because like when Fuller House came out on Netflix, the sequel to Full House, they like had all the old characters in the trailer, and then like they were in the first episode, and then you only saw DJ for the most part and Stephanie. 
Yeah, because wasn't in, in some of the shots during games, it's just Lauren Graham like on the. Like, it looks like she's the coach. Yeah. By the way, how much money do you think Emilio Estevez made for D three? Yeah, he was barely in D three. Barely in it. He had that scene where he walked out after the banner comes down, and Charlie Conway goes Bombay. Is that the um, the the private school one? Yeah. Yes. Which characters? I know we're getting out of here quickly, but which characters would you like to have return? In Mighty Ducks? Yes. Yes. Like cameo appearances? Like in the Goldberg's got to be. I don't be think in we're going to see Goldberg. <laughs> Goldberg's got to be in there. Although Goldberg's apparently doing well. Uh, he doing so well? He's oh, a I year f- sober. I forgot about that. Yeah. He's starting to look healthier. I, th- I think Lester Averman be good. <laughs> Averman. <laughs> it's like the play by play guy. <laughs> oh, yeah. Great. That'd be good. Um, like who's the well? Is is Adam Banks one of the crazy parents? Ooh, well, maybe. his, he like, his dad was kind of crazy, right? It would have been perfect if Conway was the coach, right? You're looking back, Russ Tyler, Keenan Thompson's the most famous actor, right? I mean, Facts. if you want, you want to make a puck time, yeah, you want to make a, a splash. You're gonna get, you're gonna uh, Russ Tyler in there, and some he's got his own show, in now. some fashion, true. Keenan. I thought Connie Moreau was an underrated player. She nice was very pull. good. That, for that that's team. a good pull right there. Yeah, that's a good pull. What did they call her again? They, you're thinking uh, of Julie the. Oh, Cat you're. Gaffney. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm thinking of Jules. You're talking about the figure skater. Yeah, and and her boyfriend yeah. uh, Guy Germain. They were really good players. <laughs> nah, he, he was a cake like, eater. <laughs> well, I'm. I'm. We're gonna watch. I'm totally for, gonna watch. for those who might be newer to the podcast. This is uh, a common thing we have fun with. Um, I, to be clear, love the Mighty Ducks. Think Gordon Bombay is a fraud as a coach. Solid GM. He can assemble you a great hockey team. Terrible coach with bad ethics. And uh, I mean, he 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 went fraternizing with the enemy. Indeed. Yes. Yeah. And if you really break it down, none of his plays work. And his coaching, he's not responsible for them what winning What do you have all. against the Flying V? That always worked, except that one time against Iceland. <laughs> they blew it up. I don't think it worked in Pure D3 physicality. Yeah. When have you ever seen Iceland be good at hockey in the Olympics? What's going on with Iceland? <laughs> I also liked how they all made them like giant kids. Yeah. The the coach for the, the Ducks in the new one looked like um, the star player for Iceland. I don't know if it's the same actor, but it kind of looked like him. I think we did a whole thing on this where we did some research, and one of the guys on Iceland like came back in that movie as a different character. We did we did look this up. Yeah, there was something like that. Are people still listening? Probably not. And then I always love the 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 favorite thing is you go back and look at it like Hans becomes Jans in D two, and then he goes <laughs> back to being Hans. Hans becomes Jans, who becomes Hans in D3. None of it makes sense, but I love it. So, I hope you're still listening. This is what we're... This is this is how we get through the offseason, quite frankly. I'd prefer to write about, you know, Mighty Ducks and half the Ryan stuff. Fitzpatrick. <laughs> yeah, Ryan Fitzpatrick. 
Okay. Uh, well, good episode. It's fun having Kevin on the whole time. And uh, make sure you're checking out all that con- good content on The Athletic, theathletic.com slash Hogan Johns. My column on the Arlington Park situation is on NBCSportsChicago.com. So please check that out. You can follow us on Twitter at Adam Hogue, at Adam Johns, at K Fishbane. Uh, check out our shirts, our T-shirts, obviousshirts.com. I believe... Don't totally quote me on this. I believe that if you order those on pre-order, they are being shipped like maybe even today. So you should be getting those soon. And uh, I can't wait to show those off to you in person. Uh, Obviousshirts.com, a portion of the proceeds go to helping the 22Q Family Foundation. So please check that out as well. And we appreciate all the support and you not unsubscribing after hearing Johnson's list on Tuesday. Uh, and if you did unsubscribe, then you probably resubscribed. And I think that actually, in some weird metrics way, helps the podcast. So that's cool too. We we just we appreciate that you're here listening. So, Kevin, thank you. Thank you guys. Check out uh, if you want to know what Moza Moreno and uh, Chad Hutchinson and Mike Tomzak are up to. Check it out. I want to know their thoughts on the Mighty Ducks. You could go. You could go there. Okay. Could, let's let's bring in Shane Matthews. Asking about my ducks. That'd be a podcast. All right. Enjoy the weekend. We'll talk to you next week. See ya. Y'all stay corona free, all right? And God bless. <laughs> that was good. Talking about erectile dysfunction isn't easy. Usually we just brush it off or blame ourselves, saying things like, I lost my mojo, or we avoid it altogether with excuses like, I had a long day at work, or, sorry, honey. I'm just not feeling it. But with Roman, it is easy to talk about it with a real healthcare professional who can prescribe real medication. It's simple, safe, and totally discreet. With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED all from the comfort and privacy of your home. A healthcare professional will work with you to find the best treatment plan. If medication is appropriate, Roman will ship it to you with free two-day shipping. The whole process is straightforward, simple, and discreet. Getting started is simple. Just go to GetRoman.com slash Adam and complete an online visit. Erectile dysfunction used to be tough to tackle, but now there's Roman. Complete an online visit today to connect with a healthcare professional and take care of it. Go to GetRoman.com slash Adam today. If approved, you'll get $15 off your first order of ED treatment. That's GetRoman.com slash Adam. GetRoman.com slash Adam. Growing up, cereal was one of the best parts of being a kid. But then you get older and you realize it's full of sugar and junk that you really shouldn't eat. Well, if you're trying to cut down on carbs, sugar, and unhealthy food, you might feel like you can't eat anything. But there's now Magic Spoon. Magic Spoon has released a brand new variety pack now featuring peanut butter. They released peanut butter as a limited edition flavor in 2020, and it sold out three times. Peanut butter has gotten so much love that they've decided to keep it permanent and add it to the best seller's variety pack, which also includes frosted, fruity, and cocoa. Zero sugar, 13 to 14 grams of protein, and only four net gram carbs in every serving. It's keto-friendly, gluten-free, 
grain-free, soy-free, low-carb, and GMO-free. And if you mix cocoa with peanut butter, it tastes exactly like a peanut butter cup. So go to magicspoon.com slash Adam to grab a variety pack and try it out today. And be sure to use our promo code Adam at checkout to save $5 off your order. And Magic Spoon is so confident in their product, it's backed with a 100% happiness guarantee. So if you don't like it for any reason, they'll refund your money, no questions asked. Remember, get your next delicious bowl of guilt-free cereal at magicspoon.com slash Adam and use the promo code Adam to save $5 off. Thank you, Magic Spoon, for sponsoring this episode. 